the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us, which is where you can find the uh, collection of the news stories of the morning each and every day and throughout the day. We try to give you the latest news. Uh, we, we kind of combine it into one convenient location for you at alwaysright.us. This morning, you will, of course, find many, many stories on alwaysright.us involving the destruction or the attempted destruction, not sure if it will have been successful yet, but of the Supreme Court, of the American judiciary, of the bedrock, the foundation of this country. That's how serious this leak situation really is. And that's what we're going to have to focus on this morning for a good portion of our time. Now, it is obviously... Not the best timing for this massive national story to have broken last night. Politico, which should be completely ashamed of itself for being part of this. And yes, there is freedom of the press. Do not get me wrong. I'm not saying in any way that the government should have shut this down if they could have, and they probably couldn't have anyway. I'm not suggesting that, that the government should have shut down uh, Politico for trying to publish the story that was leaked to them by someone inside the Supreme Court of the United States. But I wish they would have used their discretion just a little bit better in the interest of what is best for the country, in the interest of what is best for uh, the people of the United States of America. But no, they got a scoop, and they weren't going to be talked out of running with their scoop. That's essentially what happened here. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, of course, we are talking about uh, Politico yesterday, late in the day, running an article uh, based on a leak from inside of the Supreme Court that contained a draft opinion 
from the Supreme Court of the United States that would lead to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the 1973 landmark abortion case. Um, this is this is beyond monumental, both in terms of the decision, if the draft decision and if the uh, materials that were obtained are accurate and correct and are legitimate and not forged. And at this point in time, you know, we, they just literally ran this. But assuming for the sake of uh, the discussion that, yes, this is all accurate, the story about the overturning of the Supreme Court decision in 1973 is secondary to the fact that it was leaked. That is by far the much bigger story here. Because now we know what the left will do, or better yet, better said, to what depths the left will stoop to try to protect the right to kill preborn babies. Now we know what they will do in order to hold on to their unflinching power. The left will literally do anything. Now, there's so much to discuss here. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to get into it the best I can. But as I started to say, you know, the timing here is not great, unless, of course, the timing was intentional. And everybody knows at the Politico and everywhere else that writes or discusses or talks about or is involved in politics whatsoever that today is the first day of a very busy primary season. Some important states, maybe the most important of which is the one in which we sit right now, holding their primary elections trying to decide who they're going to run in the general election, in Senate races, congressional races, who they're going to have as their governors, and so on and so forth. It's a big, big day, and it's an important day. And now, everything that I would be talking about now related to the election is being put a little bit on the back burner. Although I will say to you, at 9.12 now this morning, vote. Go and cast your vote. And please cast your vote uh, with what's best for the people of Ohio in mind particularly as it pertains to the governor's race. I want you to make sure that you do not delay. It could be long. The lines could be long. Uh, it's hard to tell in a midterm election, but in this particular time, I expect it's going to be very, very a very solid turnout. Uh, the lines may be long, and it's supposed to rain this afternoon, so you may be standing in the rain. Take an umbrella, do what you got to do to wait in line, and get your vote in. But normally, I would do this entire three hours on the primary elections. But now we are going to have to talk about this situation in the Supreme Court because of the monumental impact that it can have on this country. Literally, one-third of our foundation, uh, foundational government, the judiciary, is, is now in chaos. Um, the reasons why are, are some of what we will talk about together. So before we get started in the details, and I will welcome your thoughts, by the way, as we go this morning. Before we get started in all, in fact, before we even start that, let me remind you of what else we were planning on doing. On election day like this, an important primary election like this, even though we have done scheduled interviews with scores of candidates, um, on the day of the election, one of the things that I, I started doing years ago uh, is allowing candidates to call in for 60 uninterrupted seconds of making their last-minute pitch for their uh, in their primary race. So any candidate for any one of these offices we have been discussing at length that wants to get in, it won't be an interview with me, it won't be Q&A, it won't be tough questions, it'll be no questions. It'll be, hey, Joe running for Congress, picking a name there, 
Uh, you've got 60 seconds to make your case, and then I'll give you 60 seconds. You'll hear a ding, and uh, we'll be done. So if you've got a race that you are running for and you want to be heard and you want to try to convince voters to turn your way, uh, please, by all means, 216-901-0945 this morning and 888-281-1110. So this will be completely unscripted and, again, unquestioned. There will be no questions asked. The only thing I will do is stop you when the uh, when the bell rings. So you've got 60 seconds, and you can make your case. Now, before we do all of that, talking about the Supreme Court leak, talking about the, the campaign, uh, campaigns, rather, in today's primaries, uh, bringing all of this to a close, at least from the primary side of things. Let's rise, patriots, and go ahead and stand and face your flag. Face the flag if you have one. If you don't, try to imagine one and try to hope and pray and be ready to fight to defend her because that flag and everything that she represents right now is under serious, serious assault. And I cannot prove where that assault is coming from yet, but I think we all have a pretty doggone good idea, given what has happened over the last 12 hours. So face that flag, or imagine one, and put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a believer in destroying the judiciary in order to protect something that you find important, such as killing babies, well, you don't have any idea what this flag represents. You are exempted from having to pledge your allegiance to it. You may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. There is little doubt uh, as to what's going on here with respect to the Supreme Court uh, draft opinion being leaked to Politico and run yesterday before these primary start, primaries begin. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's an accident that this happened now before the primaries. I think it's, in fact, a direct message from the far left, which would engage in such behavior, such as stealing and leaking documents related to this monumental decision by the Supreme Court. This is, this is exactly what they want to do, knowing they have exactly six months of power left. Come November, the bell will toll. And yes, leftist Democrats, it tolls for thee. Your power will be gone. Your majority in the House will be gone. It will be a tsunami. It will be a shellacking. Your 50-50 non-majority majority by way of the vice president's vote in the Senate, will be gone. You will have power to do nothing after November. And so that's why I believe this was leaked when it was yesterday, right before the primaries, to completely drive the entire left in the United States of America into a frenzy, both in these midterm primaries and in the midterm election, to demand that the current power in Congress, held by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, do something to stop this from happening. They have six months of power left. The only hope they have now is to invoke, uh, or excuse me, to abolish the filibuster, the 60-vote legislative filibuster in the United States Senate, and then have a vote now while they have their simple majority to 
either A, codify Roe versus Wade into law to actually bring it into the United States Code, or B, to add two members to the Supreme Court. Pack the court. Both members would then be, of course, appointed and nominated by Joe Biden, confirmed by simple Democrat majorities in the Senate. And suddenly the 5-4 to four vote, which is what it is likely to be to overturn Roe, gets re-overturned in the other direction. That, of course, has long been the, the goal of the far left. They have talked about packing the court. It's been a question for presidential candidates for the last three, three election cycles at least. What is your opinion on packing the court? Do you want to have more members? If you don't get decisions from the court you like, will you add more members until you can? Get the decisions that you like. This is all in play now because they only have six months. If this Supreme Court overturns Roe and sends the decision on whether or not abortion is legal back to the states, and people need to understand that, most do, some don't. I've talked to some who believe that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion is now outlawed nationwide. Not true. What Roe versus Wade did, of course, was provide protections for those seeking abortions at the federal level. But federal protections should not be um, the, the standard here. It should be a state decision. And state by state, legislators who are elected by the people can decide if there will be limits on abortion or if abortion will be outlawed entirely. Or there will be no limits. And you can have it all the way up to the moment of birth and even a little while after. This should be a state decision, and that's exactly what this does if Roe is overturned. But some people don't understand that. They believe that the entire uh, uh, industry of abortion will end if Roe versus Wade is overturned. And that's what the animals who are gathering outside the Supreme Court right now are doing. They And I'm calling them animals because the, what they are doing is animalistic. And what the signs that they are carrying about killing babies is simply reprehensible. But what the animals are doing outside of the Supreme Court right now and were last night protesting, screaming, and chanting about the right to murder babies, this is not going to, sadly, be completely eliminated. It will. There will be states' rights. The only thing that will be different, of course, is if your state is one that has a severe or strict limit on abortions much less complete and outright abortion bans, you are going to have to do a little driving and drive to a neighboring state where they are a little bit more uh, okay with murdering babies right before they're born. So back to the leak. The issue of the, the uh, leak in the Supreme Court is so mammoth. It has been described by the SCOTUS blog, which is uh, the Supreme Court of the United States blog, as the gravest, most unforgivable sin. Quote, it's impossible to overstate the earthquake this will cause inside the court in terms of the destruction of trust among the justices and staff. This leak is the gravest, most unforgivable sin. I completely concur. Some other headlines offering opinions on this. From the Federalist, the demonic left will stop at nothing, including destroying the Supreme Court to kill babies. Also in the Federalist, before finally overturning Roe, the Supreme Court must block yet another insurrection attempt. That one from Molly Hemingway, Red State, the destruction of the Supreme Court. Uh, Let's burn this place down. Left calls for violence after treasonous SCOTUS 
abortion leak. Washington Times, Roe v. Wade leak called an effort to intimidate Supreme Court justices. And there are so many more. And they're all accurate. They're all accurate. I'm going to focus for just a second on that last one from the Washington Times, because this is another element. One thing would be to try to spur, as I described, spur the Democrat-controlled Congress into action now to pack the court or codify Roe, abolish the filibuster, legislative filibuster, because they will never get 60 votes for this, never in a million years. So they have to just go with the 50-50 tie plus one, and then we, of course, have to be in the familiar position of hoping that Joe Manchin or somebody else with a conscience on the uh, on the Democrat side would flip the script on them and stop it from going through. But one element or one aspect or one operational goal is to have the left-controlled Congress codify Roe versus Wade into law or to pack the court so that a future court can undo the reversal of Roe that this court would be doing. The second one would be just to try to intimidate and frighten the justices themselves, as the Washington Times writes. This may be, and probably is an attempt, to try to stop them from doing what they're about to do. Now that Justice Alito's um, draft opinion on this has been released, they kind of know that this is a, this is not a, this is not a, uh, What's the word I want to use here? This is not something that they that they are doing in a cavalier manner. This has been deeply considered and deeply thought out for a very, very long time. The odds are very, very long that the Supreme Court justices who are voting to and who may be voting to uh, overturn Roe, they have been trying to to do this for a very, very long time. They just have never had the opportunity. And when you read the language in the Alito opinion, you will see that they are going to be very, very deeply entrenched in this. But having said that, the goal of the radical left, by leaking this to Politico and then staging these massive demonstrations slash protests slash soon-to-be Antifa-led riots outside the Supreme Court, will be an attempt to tell those justices, don't do it. This country will be a massive riot zone from one end to the other of pro-lifers against pro-killers. Sorry, that's the, that's the binary choice here. You are either pro-life or you are pro-death for pre-born babies. And so in an attempt to maybe convince the court to stop in its tracks and not issue this opinion, we are going to show them, give them a little taste of what could happen here with what's going on right outside the court right now. So they're going to try to intimidate Alito, and they're going to try to intimidate Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett, and I don't know what's going to happen with John Roberts. I don't know if it's going to be 5-4-6-3. He seems to be completely uh, in the middle of this thing right now, as he always is when it comes to the core issues before the court. Chief Justice John Roberts has been a reliable liberal. He has been a reliable liberal vote with the liberal caucus in the, or not caucus, but liberal uh, side of that court. So we'll see what happens with that. But will they intimidate them into not having this vote or not announcing it at all? Uh, that's the goal. So we don't have proof of any of that yet. But there is little doubt among most analysts, scholars, Supreme Court experts, that this had to have come from one of the justices' clerks, 
They're the only ones who have access to this type of material to be able to leak it to Politico. And the odds are extremely, extremely likely that it came from one of the leftist judges' clerks trying to publicize this and create this chaos in the six months left of the Democrat majority. I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945. We're all reacting to it together, just like we did last night when we heard it, and we're going to do the same thing this morning. Coming up after the news, though, Tom Zawistowski of the We the People Convention will be joining me. He's going to make a, uh, give us a little bit of a primary analysis of what he thinks is going to happen today and what is at stake in the Ohio primaries and the Senate fight, the congressional fight, the governor's race, and so forth. So Tom Z will break that, that down for us. Peter Kirsten now at 1010 this morning, and your calls uh, whenever you can get them in. 216-901-0945 on primary day and on SCOTUS Leak Reaction Day here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 928. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a call in here before the bottom of the hour news. I actually thought we were going right to the news, so my mistake on that. But this gives us a perfect opportunity to take our first candidate call of the morning. Remember, all candidates for office, regardless of what they are, if you want 60 seconds to make your last-minute case as the voters drive to the polls and they've got AM 1420, the answer on in their uh, in their cars, this is your opportunity to do it. It will not be an interview. It will not be questioned. You just have 60 seconds to make your pitch. So with that, uh, let's go to line two, Jonah Schultz, who is a candidate for Congress in District Number 7. Jonah, good morning. You have 60 seconds to make your pitch to the voters. Go right ahead. Well, good morning, Bob. First off, overturning Roe would be a huge step forward. We need to end abortion in America, period. And I'm proud to be endorsed by 100% pro-life organizations like Cleveland Right to Life and Right to Life Action Coalition. But it has been 15 months to the day since I launched my campaign to primary Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, and I began this campaign for a single purpose, to restore and defend our God-given rights to assert the basic fact that each man and woman in America should be free to dictate their own life, life and destiny. You know, I'm the only candidate who has put forth a true America First plat- platform. Uh, I'm the only candidate who is willing to take bold action to abolish the Department of Education, the ATF. I'm the only candidate who stood shoulder to shoulder with nurses, with teachers, tradesmen, patriots, fighting against unconstitutional mandates, and and most importantly, I'm the only candidate who's going to challenge the status quo in Congress. We need constitutional conservatives. We need outsiders. We need people who know what it means to live and work in our communities. And this may be our last chance to save America, so we have to get this primary right. So get out today. Vote for Jonah Schultz in Ohio's 7th District. I'm the only candidate who will, will stop at nothing to defend our Constitution, and no one will work harder to serve the people. Sure. So I humbly ask for your vote today. And if you still have questions, visit SchultzForCongress.com. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you, Jonah. I appreciate you calling in and good luck to you today. It's 930. We'll take our news now. Again, we're going to try to hold this right to 60 seconds. I got a timer going on, everybody. Uh, but that's Jonah Schultz. Let's take our news break now. Then we'll come back with Tom Zawistowski from the We the People Convention about primary day 2022. And we'll get his thoughts on what happened in Washington last night as well. Right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. threat to your health. Get your booster of common sense and keep yourself sane. 
Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 939 now on Primary Tuesday, the day we have been waiting for the third morning of the fifth month, the year of our Lord, 2022. But it is also a very different kind of a day. Instead of focusing solely on the primaries as we would on this broadcast, we are also all reeling from the extraordinary breach, the uh, leaking of the draft opinion of the United States Supreme Court uh, on the issue of overturning Roe versus Wade. The 1973 landmark decision on abortion. So we are uh, trying to trying to uh, play all of these angles this morning for you. And I welcome you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Peter Kirstenau is a uh, a Supreme Court expert. He has testified at I believe five different Supreme Court justice nomination hearings. Uh, so he knows a lot about the court. Uh, he is, of course, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. We're going to really pick his brain and ask him to break all of this down for us, what the ramifications are coming up at 1010 this morning. But now I want to welcome our first guest to the program, Tom Zawistowski, who is the president of the We the People Convention. He online at wethepeopleconvention.org. He is also the leader of the Portage County Tea Party. And Tom Zawistowski has been uh, very passionate about supporting candidates and causes, particularly in this GOP primary, uh, at which I hope you're on the way to vote for right now. Tom Z, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm well. Thanks for uh, having me on on this very, very important day. You know, from all directions, right? Yeah, we really do. Tom, you have, as I said, been very uh, passionate in your endorsements uh, from the We the People Convention and your 100,000 nationwide supporters and members, uh, you know, in terms of these Ohio races. But before we get into those, do you just have any thoughts? We all probably were shocked when we saw this last night. Uh, first, first blush reaction is, yay, they're going to overturn Roe. Second is, wait a minute, this is, a, this is a leak? You can't leak stuff from the Supreme Court, and you certainly cannot do it six months before a midterm election in which one party might just be stoked so far to the, to the left and their iron outrage that they do something drastic to change the foundational principles of this country. All right, those were my reactions. Tom, what were yours? Well, you know, absolutely, this is a very serious thing. And it deserves very serious action. And Bob, you know, you know, the We the People Convention on my podcast and all, I'm all about what are we going to do about it? What's the action? So, you know, first of all, if I'm one of the chief, if I'm the chief justice or I'm one of the justices, I think you got to go scorched earth. I think today they could fire every single clerk in the Supreme Court. Now, you know that only one did it, but you need to send the message that this won't be tolerated. And believe me, they'll rat out that one when they all lose their jobs. You see what I'm saying? We can, we can gnash our teeth and scream and howl and say, this is terrible, but the left won't stop unless you stop them. So what are they going to do in the court? That's what I'd like to know. Well, you know, it's one thing, you're right, they have to ferret out who did this, and there has to be serious punishment and so forth. I completely concur, but the damage is already done. Whether they lock that person up forever for treason, and they very well could, a lot of uh, political, or excuse me, uh, legal scholars are saying that this could be treasonous, what they are doing here to uh, to the court. Um, but even if they lock them up forever, the damage is done. Now Pelosi and Schumer are already calling for um, uh, the abolition of the Senate filibuster so that they can pass by simple majority uh, 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 either a new uh, law to to expand the court or to, at the very least, codify Roe into law with a legislative action, which, of course, would uh, render essentially what the court has done here almost almost null and void. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, again, other people like 
Show Mansion and cinema and people who stood against the, you know the, getting rid of the filibuster. You know, we put a lot of pressure on them. Joe Manchin, you know, really got a lot of heat, and he stood up. And so I, I just hate this defeatist attitude. We can stop it. Just stop it. Do something, but don't give me all this nonsense about, you know, like, for instance, okay, this is done. But the bigger threat to the court is that this becomes a standard procedure, right? You've got to lock this down. The Supreme Court can't function if it can't keep their debates, you know, between the justices secret. So you got to stop this dead in its tracks and say this is never happening again. That's step one. Then you got to tell Nancy Pelosi's guys to take a hike. You know, there's a lot of Democrats who are in danger of losing their seats this fall. And everybody's telling me, oh, they're just going to throw themselves on the sword and pass this like they did with Obamacare, you know, because they know they're going to get beat anyway. I don't think so. I think they don't have that big of a majority. And I don't think you're going to get the votes for this because anybody with a brain sees that this is an attack on our most sacred institutions. And we've got to sustain that attack. We've got to, you know, defeat it. And that's what's happening to our primary today. We're being attacked from the left. They're they're saying vote in the Republican primary for Mike DeWine and Matt Bowen because they're Democrats. And we can just cross over. That's an assault on our electoral process that we all must defend by getting out today and voting. Well, I completely concur with that. I spent almost a full hour on that story yesterday from the Daily Coast calling for leftists to uh, go ahead and take the Republican ballots here and, uh, and, and, and choose the least objectionable Republicans, which of course are the Democrat lights, uh, in Mike DeWine and Matt Dolan. So, uh, that, that's a big part of this. But now let's talk about the rest. You did a, a very impassioned eight or nine minute video a couple of days ago, uh, in your opposition to J.D. Vance, your support for Mike Gibbons, for whom you've given your endorsement or to whom you've given your endorsement, as well as um, uh, Jim Renacci in the governor's race. Tom, just take a couple of minutes here to remind everybody why you feel the way you do and why you want them to vote uh, with you in this in these, uh, in these these primaries. You know, Bob, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity because I think it's really important and it's really serious. Uh, there, there is something much more at play today here in Ohio than who wins these races. Our problem is that for us to have a representative form of government, we have to be able to choose our representatives. What you're seeing across the board is outside interests from the left and the right who are basically choosing those people for us. We're never going to get the representation we want when we don't really get to pick who the candidates are. And when we elected Donald Trump, that was the big difference. I mean, remember, who did we get before that? My gosh, we got Bob Dole and John McCain and Mitt Romney. I mean, what pathetic. You think those people represented Republicans? They didn't. But you know what? It's for our whole lifetime, Bob. You and I have been around for a while. It's always been you can vote for anyone you want as long as it's between these two people that we chose for you. Right now in Ohio, we have a bunch of candidates running for Senate, and, and we get to choose who we want, and they're not all put up by special interests like J.D. Vance is, right, put up by Peter Thiel and the big tech. J.D. Vance isn't even on the ballot if Peter Thiel doesn't give him $10 million. He's not even on the ballot. So today I'm asking your listeners, you've got to vote so that we can show that we are in control of our election 
and we have a seat at the table. I'm so afraid that if J.D. Vance wins, that what that's going to signal, and I actually heard uh, you know, on the Brett Bears program last night them talking about the fact that what's in play in Ohio today is whether Donald Trump gets to dictate who the candidates are and who we vote for or whether the Trump base says, hey, we're with the MAGA agenda, but we're not going to be led around by the nose by you. And that's at the stake here. And, and I, I want to make one important point, Bob, because I don't know why we always miss this. For whatever reason, only like 10% of the people who are eligible to vote vote in primaries. And yet the primary is the most important vote. Sure Because is. if you want a choice, you got to vote in the primary. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking directly to every one of your listeners right now. If you have never voted in a primary election and you are the vast majority Today, I need you to get in your car and drive to your polling location and exercise your right to vote and your right to choose who will be on the ballot to represent your best interests in November. Because if you don't, if you don't vote today, I fear you will never again have that right and our representative republic will be done. That's what's at stake today in Ohio. Tom Zawistowski is the president of the We the People Convention. Do you have any message? Because uh, I tried to ask Jim Renacci yesterday to do this uh, for for wavering Joe Blystone voters. I mean, the, the, that campaign is just, it would be a comedy act if it wasn't so serious and the damage that, that can be done here. There is a very, very strong anti-DeWine movement in uh, among conservative Republicans in the state of Ohio, but they are now being split a little bit between Jim Renacci and the charlatan uh, act of the snake oil salesman. I swear he's selling an elixir on a stump in a in a 1920s western or something. But uh, but that's what Joe Blystone has done. Um, what message do you have for c- people considering casting a wasted vote for Blystone today when they could cast one for Renacci and get uh, and get um, Mike Dewine out of there? Well, I think it's time to pack up the emotion and, and and just stick it in your pocket and put on your thinking cap. If you don't like Democrat Dewine then you must vote to get rid of him. And, and by that I mean vote for the most conservative person who can win. There is no poll, there has never been a poll that shows that Mr. Blystone can win. Never has. There is polling that shows that Jim Renacci has a chance. You people who are supporting, Bly, supporting Joe Blystone because you want to get rid of Mike DeWine are the ones who have the power to make that happen. And so I need you to do what's right for your, for your state and for our country, not for yourself. That's what this is about. That's why I say, you know, I call our people Ohio Patriots. Because, you know, listen, you know, I've got my problems with Jim Renacci, but I endorsed him because he was the most conservative candidate who can win. If the Blystone people think that through and vote for Jim Renacci, there's a good chance that Mike DeWine will be gone. And what a great day that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. And, uh, Tom, that's why I wanted to bring you on. I know you've got strong opinions. You've been very, very vocal about this. You've been a leader in Ohio politics for a very, very long time. And I concur. I'm, I'm puzzled beyond, uh, explanation as to why so few people come out and vote in these primaries. They just say, ah, let somebody else decide who the, the, the nominee is going to be and the choice that I'll have. And I'll vote for whoever everybody likes in November against the Democrat. And it is just such faulty thinking because if you have one Democrat against another, what choice do you really have in, in November anyway? Yeah. And that, and Bob, you know, I just can't emphasize that enough. And you, you know, you talked to Mike Rain today 
the weather might turn bad. You know, I always remind our Patriots to think about Valley Forge. Think about, you know, walking through snow, your bare feet, just defend liberty. And today, you can do that. You can be a Patriot. You got to do it. Don't complain when it's over. Don't complain that somebody else didn't do it. No one's going to defend your liberty but you. No one. Today is the day that your vote counts. Make it count. Thank you, Tom. God bless. God bless you, Bob. Tom Zawistowski, president of the We the People Convention. Did I tell you he was passionate about this? He is. And you just heard it in his voice just now. And I, uh, I completely respect every bit of that. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. We've got some candidates on the line who want to make their last-minute appeals as you head to the polls to make your decisions this morning. We are having open lines for candidates when we're not doing interviews. Uh, and we'll take a couple of those next on AM 1420, The Answer. It is primary day Tuesday. Do not let this day go by without doing your your duty as a citizen of this country. You've got to go and cast your primary vote, particularly if you are in the Republican, uh, on the Republican side of things, and you want to have the right choices to go against the Democrats and retake this country from the far-left Marxists that are running it in Congress right now. You need to pick the right people today. It's not about November. It's about now. You've got to pick the right person now or else November becomes irrelevant. So go and make sure you get your vote in. All right. It's also candidate day today. We're letting candidates for Congress, or excuse me, rather, candidates for office uh, have a free 60 seconds to make their last-minute appeal to voters before they go to the polls. So let's go back to that now. Charlie Gaddis uh, is running for Congress in District 7. We heard from Jonas Schultz earlier. Charlie Gaddis, you have 60 seconds to make your last-minute pitch. Go right ahead. Thank you, Bob. So I'm a creative problem solver with over 35 years of business experience and a student of economics. I'm a lifelong 7th District Republican, and I'm running as the inflation terminator. I have three three parts to my strategy. Our energy pro- policy needs to be that of independence and stability as we morph to a greener economy and internationally about denying bad actors excess of profits to wage war and mayhem. I'm for fiscal responsibility and a rolling budget process that would allow each cabinet post to submit a budget and allow congressmen to carve out and force a standalone vote on excessive spending. I'm for the fair tax, a tax on consumption and product, not productivity. Every American should be able to see all the wages they earn before the tax man gets his cut. And I'm for fair trade. Imports should bear the same tax burden as their own product. If you're for common sense solutions, I ask for your vote today. Charlie Gaddis, and God bless. Charlie Gaddis, look at that, just under the wire. He must have scripted that out. He got it in 60 seconds to the, to the, to the moment. Thank you, Charlie. Good luck to you today. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, let's continue now. Uh, candidate calls. This one comes from Bevan Cormick, uh, Geauga County, uh, running for Congress against Dave Joyce, uh, who is, of course, a longtime incumbent. Uh, you have 60 seconds. Please go right ahead. Hi, well, thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm Bevin Cormack. As you said, I'm running against our liberal in disguise, Dave Joyce. I'm a candidate that represents the working class people. I'm not a politician. I'm a mom. I'm a Christian, and I understand the agenda to destroy the middle class. I'm endorsed by Carnival Giada and Dave Landau from Lauderdale, Crowder, and an A-minus with Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom. 
I was standing up for healthcare workers, students, fighting against the health department, the Board of Education, during all the unconstitutional mandates and shutdowns, while congressmen like Dave Joyce exempted themselves from the vaccine and went MIA when we needed their help. I'll be tough on border policies and focus on Ohio's child trafficking and drug problem. Vote for Max for Congress today to protect the Constitution. Let's start putting the government back in the hands of the people. All right, Bevan Cormack, thank you so much for your call. You did it in 55 seconds, so you actually had some extra time. Well done, and I wish you the very best of luck in that race. Again, I want to encourage everybody, uh, if you are running for an office, uh, whether you are a big name or whether you are an underdog or whether you've had a quiet campaign, a grassroots campaign, no matter who you are, you're going to get your time. It won't be under questioning. It won't be under, you know, what's your position on this or that. This is not an interview. This is just your opportunity to make your statement uh, to the voters as they head out in these primary fights today. So I'm very glad to have you. We've had now three uh, congressional candidates who have spoken up uh, uh, on this program today. It'll be a little tougher in hour two because I've got Peter Kirsten now in the way, waiting in the wings, and Peter is going to break down what happened to us last night. Literally, what happened to us? We are all in a very, very dangerous situation right now with the Supreme Court of the United States having been compromised. A leak which could threaten the entire judiciary to Politico, uh, leaking the draft opinion of the Supreme Court in a, in a vote that could be 5-4, to four, could be 6-3. to three. But the majority uh, opinion is that they're going to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade, the 1973 landmark decision on abortion. Peter Kirstenau is an expert in this field. We are very lucky to have him. He'll be joining us for the better part of the next hour to talk about what this means. I am going to invite calls for Pete. I normally don't because Pete and I just have great rapport. But I'm going to invite calls from you if you've got a question about what this means. This uh, leak from the Supreme Court, uh, the Roe versus Wade decision itself, it, it's, it, it's all up to us right now. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. If you've got a question, I'll put you on with Kirsten now. After we get his original explanations, right here on Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.us. We'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway on this primary Tuesday, the third morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Tom Zawistowski laid it out very well for us last hour. Uh, He doesn't understand why we get such a low percentage turnout on primary day. This is the day to choose the very right person to represent you. If you simply wait and decide, eh, let's see how the primary comes out. I'll support whoever wins that, and I'll vote for that person in November. You have failed. You have failed, and you have been derelict in your duty as an American citizen, in this case as as a citizen of the state of Ohio, because then you might be left with two terrible choices. This is the only chance you have to pick the person who most represents your views when you have multiple choices in these uh, races for governor, for, uh, for senator, for Congress, uh, for so many positions. This is when it matters the most. 
if you let a Democrat win the primary wearing an R name tag, then you just have two Democrats to choose from in November. Get out and vote. It's 10 o'clock. I don't care if it's raining later. It might be. I don't care if there's a line. There may be. Get out. If there isn't a line, there should be one. Create one by being part of it. We've got to get out there and vote. It is extraordinarily important. The other huge story of the day today, of course, the leak. It's not even overshadowing the blockbuster news that the Supreme Court may finally overturn Roe versus Wade. Overshadowing that is the fact that it was leaked. The draft opinion was leaked to Politico, who ran with the story last night, and now all hell is breaking loose across this country. The foundations of American government are shaking. Joining us to break it down now, I don't know anybody who knows more about the Supreme Court and who knows more about law than Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow is an attorney in Cleveland. He is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He has testified before five different, I believe it's five, different um, Supreme Court justice nominees uh, before the, uh, the in the uh, confirmation hearings. And he joins us now to break this down for us on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning. How are you, my friend? Well, it's a sad day in America, Bob. Uh, it's the 43rd year in a row that I haven't been selected in the draft that shows his complete and utter corruption of our institutions, let alone the Supreme Court. Uh, I'm so glad I can count on you for levity when we need it. <laughs> uh, Pete, it is an atrocity, by the way, and we do need to have hearings about that. I don't know what has to happen, but somebody should hold hearings to find out why Kersenow is being blackballed from the NFL like uh, Colin Kaepernick. This is worse than Kaepernick. You know, Kaepernick yeah. <laughs> can't play. You know, and I don't hate America. This is ridiculous. I don't understand it. I don't either, my friend. I don't either. All right, Pete, um, I'm relying on you here. I have read so many different opinions and analyses of what happened last night. But before we do the why was this done and who is most likely to be responsible for this, not to a name, but in terms of a person's motivation on this, um, Pete, can you just tell us what... um, Tell us what it means for Politico to have run this. They have the right. We have freedom of the press. I'm a First Amendment supporter, obviously. But that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. Some are suggesting last night and this morning that Politico um, may have just broken the, the, the judiciary, may have just by running this story, even though there was somebody dirty and deceptive uh, and treason or uh, uh, traitorous enough to, uh, to leak this story to them, they didn't have to run it because they had to know the kind of damage it, was ca- it would cause. But then again, it's the news business, and everybody who's got a scoop has to break their scoop. Did Politico do anything wrong here, Peter? Oh, technically, no. I mean, they've got the right to do this. Ethically, Supreme Court president ethically. shows that they do that. Uh, and even, <laughs> that's great. Journalistic ethics, what's that? Uh, this is from the same, from, from the same industry that published this stuff for four or five years on Russian disinformation, the Steele dossier, and everything else, runs with it for four or five years, every single iota of which was wrong and which affected the outcome of election, didn't publish anything related to Hunter Laptop. We could go on and on and on and on. Uh, ethics and journalism, I, I look, I, all, no disrespect to individual journalists out there, but as an industry, that ship sailed a long time ago. We can't depend on any kind of ethics out of the journalism profession anymore. Everything the left touches, and let's face it, 95% of journalism is on the left. Everything the left touches is destroyed. And now we're going to the Supreme Court, where it touches the Supreme Court. Sacrosanct deliberations revealed, an actual draft opinion revealed. Stunning. Cannot, again, I'll use the word again, cannot understate or underestimate the impact of this on the deliberations of the Supreme Court, the ability of the Supreme Court 
to um, among themselves to craft opinions, to have trust among themselves. This is astonishing. It really is. And it's not simply something limited to, you know, the, the confines of, of law schools and discussions among law professors or maybe lawyers. This affects the entire country. One of the most um, important aspects of the Supreme Court is the ability of the justices to l- deliberate and, in a collegial fashion among themselves, craft opinions without outside influence. They did that because they knew they and they understood that for the entire history of the Supreme Court, nothing like this had ever happened. There would be no leaks that would potentially compromise a justice's ability to be as forthcoming and forthright as possible in the context of deliberations. This is going to have a significant impact. Again, everything the left touches, it destroys. So to answer your question, you know, there's no such thing in practical speaking as journalistic ethics. They didn't do anything illegal. That is, Politico didn't. But you know what? We knew, we knew most likely what the outcome of the Dobbs case was going to be. All right. Nobody is stunned that the Supreme Court found problems with Roe versus Wade because everybody who is honest understood that Roe versus Wade had no lynching, no, 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 no um, grounding in the Constitution. What this goes to is the integrity of the institution and its ability going forward to have the trust of the justices and the clerks in formulating opinions, and you have to have that ability to have the give and take to come up with the best opinions possible. This is a big and bad day. It really is. Cannot understate it. And for the first time in a long time, and watching some of the media and listening to them, I don't think that they are engaging in hyperbole when they cover this. Maybe it's being understated. So uh, bad news here, and of course, it's on the left again. There's absolutely no doubt where this came from and what the effort was here. It was a multi-pronged effort, in my opinion. I don't think that the person who leaked this understood specifically what the outcome would be. But the really? aim was, no, I, I thought that, they, they not specifically, they thought maybe uh, what this would do is, you know, and this is fantasy, get the court to maybe revise its opinion. That would never happen. Uh, number two is, I think that they wanted to put pressure on or give an excuse to those in Congress who want to f- have an excuse, they don't have an excuse, but give them an excuse to be, because uh, or riding a public wave of outrage to pack the Supreme Court or, you know, illuminate the filibuster or do something else that the Democrats have pitched over the last few years. Uh, this, is, this is just horrible. And whoever did this will never practice law. It's probably a law clerk. That person will be disbarred or should be disbarred. These days now, with the corruption of institutions, you can never tell. You can't tell anymore. Okay. Okay, we gotta we gotta slow down here and break some of this down because you've covered about eighty four t- topics now, and I want to ask you about eighty three follow ups. So, Pete, um, real quick, you said you don't think that the person who leaked this knew the full ramifications of what they were doing or had a uh, uh, had a, had a full understanding of what would happen here. This has never happened before in 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 the history of this country. Uh, no, where I... a Supreme Court decision has been leaked, and it happens. By the way, on the eve of the start of the primary season, which marks to the day six months left of Democrat power, 
six months. That's all they have left where they are in the majority, which means if they are going to be able to stop the overturning of Roe, they're going to have to immediately abolish the filibuster in the Senate. They're going to have to codify Roe, or they're going to have to do uh, something to uh, to add two seats and let Joe Biden appoint two more members uh, of the Supreme Court uh, in order to then have another vote to overturn the decision that was just made here. I, I, I find it hard to believe that they didn't know exactly what they were doing and what the exact no, uh, outcome that they were hoping for was. Uh, you just articulate why they don't know exactly. There are options here. It could be eliminating the filibuster. It could be adding seats to the Supreme Court. In other words, packing the Supreme Court. It could be a host of things that could happen. Okay, I, I don't think the person who leaked it knew which specific one it would be. That was my point. So it may, and because who knows what avenue um, Schumer and the others are going to choose. Right now, if you listen to them squawking on radio and television, they're talking about, you know, the fact that this is, uh, you know, it's a horrible day that woman's right to choose has now uh, been eliminated, and so we have to do something drastic. But they haven't been able to settle upon one given tactic. Is it going to be packing the Supreme Court? Is it going to, I mean, all the things, it's going to be the preliminary thing is eliminating the filibuster. I think they have a problem there because I still think Manchin's going to stand in the breach. So they still have problems there. But I do think they also, one of the outcomes that the clerk may have been looking for was to put pressure, because remember, this is a draft and it's not a surprise. Almost everyone, after the oral argument in Dobbs, believed that at bare minimum there would be a 5-4 decision to overturn, probably 6-3 in some respect, although Roberts, you know, and his, who knows what Roberts would do. But nonetheless, that's what they thought was going to happen, that uh, there would be some type of, on the left, public revulsion, and that would be a political impetus for the upcoming elections, but also perhaps to achieve some of the the legislative outcomes that the Democrats wanted to achieve, but would not be able to unless there was overwhelming public pressure on certain Democrats to, for example, abandon the filibuster or pack the Supreme Court and, and pack the Supreme Court or do some other things that they didn't have the political will to do absent something like this. Again, I think everybody knew what the ultimate outcome in Dobbs was going to be. I think it was fairly plain. The Roe decision, even people who support honest law professors and liberals who support abortion rights all knew that Roe versus Wade was a horrendous decision. I mean, it was legally unsound on steroids. So, um, but, but well, having me, political... Yeah. Let, let's, pause, let's pause there for a second, Pete, because we'll come back to the... Uh... Uh, the efficacy of Roe, and 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 you know, from a from a constitutional standpoint, we can talk about what Alito wrote. If this draft opinion, by the way, is legitimate and it it has to be verified, um, Democrats are celebrating the clerk, whomever this may be. Yeah. All Democrats need to show the same urgency as the clerk who apparently risked his or her career to sound this alarm. Those on the inside know best how broken this institution is. We should listen, Peter. Rather than calling this person a traitor for literally, literally destroying potentially the entire judiciary, because this has never been done before. Um, we haven't had a change in the number of justices in over 200 years. Um, all of these things could happen because of what this clerk did, and the Democrats are celebrating it. My question is, is how far are they willing to go now that they know again that they only have six months? I can see... The protests that started outside of the Supreme Court last night, 
uh, devolving into a riot, and this happening in in major areas all across the country. We saw an entire summer of police uh, violent or police uh, 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 brutality uh, riots, starting out as protests become riots all across the country. Uh, and in an attempt to intimidate those justices to maybe not do this, to either change their opinion or not uh, rule on this at all, uh, they just may try to, to, to burn it down. Let the Antifa and left-wing nuts who say this clerk is the hero and that the justices who are voting here are the villains, um, they, they, there's no telling what they'll be willing to do to try to stop this, Pete. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that there is a significant cohort on the left that won't stop at anything. I think there will be uh, some unrest and potentially riots. Clearly, there's going to be intimidation involved of Supreme Court justices. We've already we we saw that before uh, in the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, th- this is what the left does. Again, they destroy everything they touch, and they don't have any boundaries. They're destroying institutions with impunity, and much of it has been concentrated after the George Floyd incident. We've seen the left go, you know, just countenance violence and all manner of like illegalities. So. Uh, the, the the thing here, though, is that this was going to be the outcome anyway. We knew where the Supreme Court was going to go. Uh, we didn't know it, but there was a very, very strong assumption that, or presumption that at the end of June, this particular Supreme Court term, the opinion in Dobbs would be something along the lines of what we see in Alito's opinion. So what we're doing now is we've moved that up about a month and a half to two months. That opinion would have come out at the end of June, most likely. It's been moved up two months. So what's, what's the purpose of moving it up for two months? I think that uh, if this person was thinking tactically, that is that given that all those things that we just discussed would have occurred anyway in June, then it must be to sway a justice before the final, uh, final decision came out to perhaps change somebody's mind to water it down. Not that the outcome would be fundamentally different, but maybe water it down, or who knows, maybe it would be to, to change the outcome and stick with Roe versus Wade, although I, I doubt that that would ever happen. But who knows what this person was thinking. This person is blowing up an institution to achieve a political outcome that has distinct reverberations throughout the country. This is extraordinary what's happened because it's going to affect the Supreme Court for a long time to come. This is, this is, the reason why this is the first time it's happened in 200 years is because it was unthinkable. But the left, heck, nothing's unthinkable to them. They do not care about the institutions that have made America great. Why? Because they believe America is evil to begin with, and everything is justified to remove that evil. Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420, The Answer Always Right Radio. We've got so much more to discuss on this. Pete started to talk about the actual language in the what is believed to be the draft opinion from Sam Alito. Uh, I'm going to ask him to uh, reflect and analyze, uh, or reflect on and analyze some of those as we continue right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1026 now, right back with Kersenow as we try to analyze the Supreme Court mess here. The uh, leak by what is perceived or believed to be a Supreme Court justice clerk to Politico announcing the draft opinion that uh, the Supreme Court is poised to strike down Roe versus Wade. Pete, um, what most people believe to be the, mo- uh, the, the most important language, I guess, <clears throat> 
um, in this uh, draft opinion by by Justice Alito is about Roe versus Wade, uh, and and suddenly I cannot find it. I had it here just a moment ago before I started talking about great food at Harry Buffalo here. But uh, the opinion offered by Justice Alito essentially said we have known that Roe was uh, was egregiously here it is Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak. And the decision had been, has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. End quote. Obviously, he's referring to the states. So based on what you have seen or read thus far from the, uh, uh, the draft opinion, how do you respond to that, Pete? Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of uh, legal scholars... Uh, at least those on the right, but almost everyone, frankly, there's almost a consensus that Roe was poorly decided, if not wrongly decided. Um, there is, you know, I haven't read the entire opinion. I've read maybe there's, I think it's a 98-page opinion. I've read maybe 40 pages of it and skimmed portions of it. And until I digest it, as I tell, you know, associates or uh, law students, you know, you better you better read an opinion two or three times before you're going to opine on it in a credible fashion. And I know there's a lot of TV lawyers out there get on TV and they start bloviating. Now, I, I will trust somebody like a Dershowitz, who has been immersed in con law for 60 years, to give me a pretty good assessment, because he's probably anticipated most of these arguments. He's read the briefs and everything of that nature. But very few people know what the heck they're talking about at this stage. However, having said that, you can make generalized you know, statements about it. And I think having read about half of the opinion, at least the salient parts of the opinion, what I can say is that, yeah, Roe versus Wade, poorly decided, it is, is almost as bad as, um, or just as bad, I would say, as Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, Dred Scott decisions. It had no grounding in any constitutional provision, and we've been doing mental gymnastics, legal gymnastics, for a long time, trying to justify Roe versus Wade. Bottom line here is this. The legal and political impact of this is that instead of having a top-down approach, an edict from the Supreme Court with respect to abortion rights, what you have is what the founders called or what many have referred to as, you know, 50 laboratories. The founders didn't say 50, obviously, but you have 50, 50 laboratories of democracy. Each state can come up with their own uh, uh, approach to the the life of of the unborn and whether or not there's at any point at any time where that life you know could be compromised and i don't know how how else to put it in in nice terms on a on a monday on a, on a uh, tuesday morning but nonetheless it doesn't prohibit abortion, but that's what the left wants to run on, because they want to inflame their base. And that's one thing we didn't talk about, Bob. I think one of the reasons why this may have been released, and one of the reasons why political ran with it is because, let's face it, they're on the left. They understand that the left is going to have a big shellacking coming in November, and they need something to energize the base. Again, all of this was known at the time Dobbs was argued last December, or uh, last winter. But when you look at the decision, it's pretty, at least the half that I've read, it's pretty straightforward. There are no surprises in it, and it would, again, uh, give the decisions to the various state legislatures as to how their states are going to address this issue. As many have commented already, certain states, some conservative or redder states, may take the, the position that abortion is 
either prohibited or only in very, very narrow circumstances permitted. Other states will have a complete and utter unfettered right to abortion. That's right. So, uh, but and the it's point up to is, the people to make those decisions. Pete, let me cut you out there because i got to get to our news. Let me, uh, let me get to our news now. It's okay. 1031. We'll come back with more thoughts from Peter Kirstenau on this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1037 now. We continue with Peter Personnel reaction to the extraordinary events of uh, just 12 to 18 hours ago as um, a Supreme Court justice clerk is believed to be the leaker. We don't know who or which one, but is believed to be the leaker uh, of the draft opinion uh, written by the majority Republican or majority Republican appointed uh, justices that would overturn Roe versus Wade in 1973. And Peter, uh, Professor Jonathan Turley said this leaker's career is done. I know that Chief Justice Roberts is going to do everything he can. This is the greatest crisis, not just of his career, but of any modern Chief Justice. I mean, this is the sort of original sin of judicial ethics. It does not get worse. And I think that what when you mentioned what is the court doing, I think Chief Justice Roberts has been meeting nonstop uh, with the marshals and others to see how they're going to find the culprit here. And, you know, God have mercy on their, their, that soul because the court will have none. Uh, this is the worst type of attack you can launch against the integrity of the United States Supreme Court. That's Professor Jonathan Turley from uh, George uh, Washington University. This is Professor Alan Dershowitz, emeritus professor at Harvard. I disagree. I'm not sure where you stand on Roe v. Wade, uh, whether you think it's good law or bad law. Uh, constitutionalist conservatives have argued it's bad law. All right, Sean, let's speed up to the answer, will you? Can you please? Right, we're trying. Yeah, we seem to have a computer problem here. Hold on one second. I strongly oppose overruling Roe versus Wade after 50 years, but I think it will be overruled. I am less skeptical than you are. I know Justice Alito. I know his writings. This sounds like a decision, a majority decision of the Supreme Court overruling Roe versus Wade. And I have a theory, and it's only a theory. I think this was leaked by a liberal law clerk who is trying to change the outcome of the case, either by putting pressure on some of the justices to change their mind, or by getting Congress to pack the court even before June, which is very unlikely, or to get Congress to pass a national right to abortion law, which would apply to all the states, and that would have to come to the Supreme Court to see whether that could be upheld under the Commerce Clause. But so, Peter, all of those things have already been floated in the last 12 hours by the Democrats, particularly by Chuck Schumer, who said we are going to uh, codify this and, and make this a national right to abortion, a federal, uh, you know, in the, in the U.S. code. Uh, they have indeed talked about packing the courts. And, of course, to do that, they have said we will move to abolish the legislative filibuster. Now, earlier on, you said you're not sure which one of those things they're going to try. Which do you think has the most likely chance of success? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, posing that to me is it's kind of difficult to um, 
You mentioned Mansion stepping into the breach before. I do think uh, so, I think Mansion, and I think you know, I, I think there's so much pressure going to be placed on someone like a Mansion now. Mansion has stood in the breach before, but now this is a giant, giant issue. Who knows? Maybe he folds. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. But I agree with Dershowitz. Those are the aims. Which one is the principal one they're going to try? I think the one that's. Uh, I think they're going to try to get rid of the filibuster. I think that the process for getting a legislative fix, quote-unquote fix from the left's perspective, would take too long. I don't think that it's something that could be done that easily, and there are a lot of moving parts. It's probably easier mechanically to, quote-unquote, pack the Supreme Court. But when I say easier, we're, we're talking about, you know, like building the pyramids. This is not going to be an easy lift no matter what they try. But clearly, that was the intent. It gives the left an excuse. I think they're going to exploit it, regardless of uh, the heavy lifting involved. They need an issue. This is, this is their biggest issue, period. And we knew this was something that they were going to do. It just moved up the timetable a little bit more. You asked me before the break, you know, for the most salient parts of the decision I indicated to you. I've read about half of it, sure. skimmed maybe uh, the rest of it. Uh, and there are, lots, there are a lot of essential parts to it. And Alito is a great writer. I, I prefer, I think, you know, Justice Thomas, in my estimation, is the best writer on the court. But Alito is, is very good, too, and very, very clear and salient. But he, he says, worse to the effect, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion. And it doesn't. That's right. And no such right to implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casely chiefly re- rely, and that's the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Again, before your listeners fall asleep, understand that Casey um, and Roe were grounded in this allegation, and it was only an allegation, that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment allowed for a right to abortion. But remember, that right has got to be, as Alito says, quote, deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions. And guess what? When the 14th Amendment was passed, there was no tradition of abortion in the country. In fact, at least 30 states prohibited it outright. In fact, there were criminal penalties and pretty stiff ones attached to it. So Roe was manufactured out of whole cloth. Most legal scholars understand that. And what Alito also says later in the opinion, because again, abortion is a giant deal in this country, no doubt about it. But what Roe also did is corrupt a lot of the other jurisprudence because the reasoning in Roe infected the way we look at the due process clause and a lot of other uh, provisions of the Const- or other provisions of the Constitution and how they were interpreted and the, and the interpretive doctrine that was adopted after Roe in many cases. So this was a deeply harmful decision on a number of levels. This was the right outcome. Uh, I think the pressure that's going to be placed on the left now, is, it's going to compel them. They've got to do something because there are going to be protests all over the country from the usual suspects. The media, of course, is running with this okay. because they're all in favor of it. And so there's going to be pressure on the left to do something about it, especially in advance of the election when the Democrats are going to be swept from office. Pete, you said that the first thing you think they'll try to do is the uh, uh, abolition of the filibuster, the legislative filibuster. But when they lose control of the Senate, which is ex- entirely possible and, in fact, probably very likely uh, in uh, in November, then the Republicans have have never have to worry about getting 60, 60 votes to do anything drastic uh, either. They'll be able to, to, to change things with simple majorities. Right. 
And this is why, this is one of the reasons why what this person did, whoever it may be, but again, I, I think Jonathan Turley is correct about this. Um, I think that what they did is, it's extraordinarily short-sighted, but also extraordinarily harmful. Uh, this is going to be a back and forth that's going to go on for some time now. It, the, the integrity of the institutions, and for whatever reason, the left doesn't respect the integrity of the institutions, maybe because they hate the country and the founding of the country, but this is going to have a deep and lasting effect on the Supreme Court. It can't be quantified. We can't even think of all the possible ramifications of this, but they're going to be negative. This is, uh, we could talk about this for hours, Bob. Yeah, there's no doubt we can and probably will, Pete. Um, I want to go back to the issue here of uh, the the decisions uh, being made by the majority of the court here, according to the opinion, if it does come down this way. Leftists, and by that I mean elected officials, leftist Democrats uh, uh, who are in the Congress are all over Twitter right now saying that they are going to move for the impeachment of these justices who lied to the Senate during their confirmation hearings. Uh, some of them said, I was there, and I heard each one of them declare that Roe is settled law. And now they are willing to up upend and overturn Roe. So that means they lied. They don't believe it was settled law, and therefore they can no longer serve on the court. You have testified, as I noted, and you have made uh, uh, noted as well, that uh, you've, you, uh, before five uh, the confirmation hearings or at the confirmation hearings of five uh, Supreme Court justices. So you know what these things are like. Uh, do they have an argument here that that uh, individuals who are nominated said, nope, I believe Roe is settled, and now here they are voting to overturn it? They're going to do this. It's a political stunt. They don't have a legitimate argument. I mean, if that were the case, then almost every Supreme Court justice who has declined, by the way, to talk about how they would rule on Roe, and that is what they should do. They should not be giving previews as to specific cases that would be disqualifying right off the bat. But, you know, Katanji Brown-Jackson, for example, claims she doesn't know what a woman is. And she, I mean, she was all over the place in her confirmation hearings, but she's been lionized. This is a political stunt on their part. Doesn't mean they're not going to go forward with it, but they are. They may go forward with it. They're going to try to use this for maximum political leverage, but it will go nowhere. Everyone understands what the Supreme Court is all about. They were given a cudgel by this leak, and they're going to exploit it. They're going to be exploiting it in terms of trying to drum up voters for November because they're, they're going to get crushed. They're going to exploit it by trying to change the law in various state legislatures where they do have maybe uh, a little bit of sway. They're going to try to browbeat Republicans in every fashion they can, and especially at confirmations for lower court judges as well as any future Supreme Court judges, they're going to use this as as much as they can. But all of that would have happened, Bob, at the end of June. We were expecting this to happen anyway. What this has done is is harm the integrity of the Supreme Court itself, because now the uh, the the institution. Is, is in question in terms of the deliberative process and the trust that various justices and the clerks uh, place in one another. Look, I, on, a, on a different level, I was a member of the National Labor Relations Board, um, nowhere near the importance of the Supreme Court, obviously, but it had a lot of similarities. There were five members of the National Labor Relations Board. And while I was on, you could say maybe three of the five leaned more to the right and two leaned more to the left. And we had clerks, too. I had 25 attorneys who assisted me in drafting opinions. 
the deliberative process, what we had, what were called board agenda meetings, where the board members would sit together and deliberate about cases before them, again, on a much smaller and less consequential fashion than the Supreme Court, was important. We had to have the ability to know that what we were thinking and talking about would not be leaked to parties, would not be leaked to the public. Otherwise, it would affect in subtle ways, maybe ways we were not even conscious of, the manner in which we would approach issuing a decision or writing a decision. On a Supreme Court level, on the macro level like this, this is extraordinarily destructive. Your, your audience should know that what this individual did and what the Democrats are now playing off of is so destructive to the polity, so destructive to the United States of America. It can't be understated. You may think, well, this is just inside baseball. It is not. This is very important. Peter, uh, Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, uh, analyzing and breaking down this extraordinary uh, turn of events here with the leak coming from a likely Supreme Court justice clerk uh, to Politico and, uh, and what this means going forward. Pete, the packing the court element of this, last thing we have here for you, for at least now, if they added two members and Joe Biden got to pick these two new nominees, if they got this done in the next six months, which is highly unlikely, but this would be what they would try. You know, abolish the filibuster so that they can then go ahead and agree to pack the court. If it's a six to three majority right now, and I don't know what Roberts is doing, nobody ever does, and Roberts has been very, con- you know, consistently actually with the left. You know, remember, the Constitution said nothing about abortion. It also said nothing about marriage, but he wrote it into it, essentially, when he legalized gay marriage, did Chief Justice Roberts. But assuming that maybe he's, because I know he's decidedly pro-life, assuming he sided with the, you know, Alito and, and Thomas majority and, and Barrett and Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, it's six to three. Adding two members doesn't change it. It would be six to five if they wanted to take this up again, uh, which means are we going to 13? In other words, how far will they be willing to go to stop this if it's a court packing issue? I think it goes as far as they want. They need it to go. And that tells you that it's going can to be we have a Supreme Court institution. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can we yeah. have 13, 15, 17, 19? There's no limit. The there, there's there's no limitation on the Supreme Court in the Constitution. By the way, I want to correct something very briefly. I think you were mistaking Roberts for Kennedy with respect to the Lawrence decision, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, but look. Uh, NFIB versus Sebelius, that was Roberts. In other words, Obamacare, that was Roberts. That was extremely disappointing. But look, without, it was disappointing to conservatives from a I, well, basis. What about, what about Obergefell? Because that, that, that's what I was thinking. thinking oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, uh, in any event, the, the point with respect to Roberts is, is well taken in terms of he tries to have, he, he doesn't want sharp divisions within the court. He doesn't want to issue decisions that wrench the direction of the court in one direction, uh, you know, radically in one direction or the other. But nonetheless, with with respect to this case, yeah, uh, there's nothing that says that they can't have a 15-member Supreme Court, that they can't pack it so they get the, the kind of numbers that they want. But consider the damage that's done to the integrity of that institution. It becomes no more than what it start, it's auditioning as right now anyway, and that is a super legislature, where partisan passions rue the day and not, not um, unbiased legal reasoning. Uh, that is going to completely upend the separation of powers and also the trust people have to the extent they now currently still have trust in the Supreme Court. This is so harmful, it goes beyond recognition. I mean, it's very toxic. Um, lawyers everywhere, regardless of political stripe, should be very concerned about this, and so should members of the public. So 
to answer your question, yeah, I think that they will try to do almost anything they can. Packing the Supreme Court, it, look, if, if right now, as you put it, it is more like a 5-4 to four court or whether it's a 6-3 to three court, well, then they're going to need four more justices that they can rely on, four more Ketanji Brown Jacksons. And remember this. Look at almost every major decision over the last 30, 40 years, ever since Bork at least, and you hardly ever, I can't think of any substantive, any uh, 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 highbrow defection by the Democrats, a a strike that liberal justices, they all stick together, okay? That's more like a legislature than it is individual members of the court who may have political persuasions purposely and deliberately reasoning on the facts and the law applicable to the facts and coming into a decision. The conservatives, quote-unquote, are the ones most likely, and, and a lot of conservative voters out there are upset about it, but they're more likely to look at the discrete issues and come to different conclusions. They're not a herd of, of uh, conservatives, just as the liberals are a herd of liberals. They're reliable. You know what you're going to get from right. them. So that when the Democrats appoint people, you better be assured. When they talk about you know impeaching these, oh, forget that. That's not going to happen. They may start the process, but it's not going to happen. They're not well, going to do it. They want to do it for political theater and to rev up the base. They, they, bingo. That's that's what they would do for political purposes. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the hypocrisy of it here, Pete, is just so deep and so thick. You mentioned Kataji Brown-Jackson. All of these leftists who are calling for the heads of the uh, more conservative justices here celebrated Katanji Brown-Jackson despite her being unable to define what a woman is. And now this morning they are screaming, we must defend women's rights. How yeah, can exactly. they defend women's rights when they don't know what a woman is and they selected and cheered and, 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 and marveled at the historic nature of the nomination and confirmation of uh, the first black woman who doesn't know what a woman is? How can exactly. she or they defend women's rights when they can't identify women? Well, how can she rule upon an abortion issue if she can't identify what a woman is? I mean, this right. is an amazing... This is and not just her, but all of them. All of they, they who celebrated exactly. her essentially have agreed, you know, because they, they chose to confirm her, right? They supported her confirmation, which means they agree with her that we don't know what a woman is. A woman is something you can't figure out, especially unless you're a biologist. Yet they're all screaming this morning, defend women's rights, my body, my choice. Well, how do they have it both ways? I don't get that, Pete. Because they control the institutions and the media. Politico ran with that story. Every single organ of the media would have run with that story because they don't have any self-restraint. You know, they, we don't have responsibility anymore. We don't have adults in the room anymore. None. None. It's all about partisan passions. And they run around like little kids. This is, or think about this, Bob. I'll, just, I'll leave, this, leave you with this. There was a White House correspondence dinner this weekend. Yeah. All these reporters who gave a standing ovation to Brandon. A standing ovation to Brandon. And only a day before his administration announced the Disinformation Governance Board. If we truly had an impartial and honest media, they would have jeered any time somebody would have announced the creation of a Ministry of Truth. Because... That's the media's job, if they were impartial, to call balls and strikes, as John Roberts said. But they cheered this man who did the most totalitarian thing that we can imagine. 
It's incredible. Very so they are point. all on the side of the left. You will not hear a discouraging word from them about this leak. Oh, every once in a while you'll hear them say something, but they love this. They think oh, it is great. That's why they're celebrating the leaker. Again, they're talking about this person risked themselves for all for our democracy. Uh, again, the hypocrisy. Not democracy. It's about hypocrisy. Thank you, Peter Kirsten. I will talk to you next week. Take care, Bob. 1056. We'll take this to the news. And then we are open lines the rest of the way. For candidates, for your answers to these questions, whatever you've got, we'll take them at 216-901-0945. Right back. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, this is Georgianne, and I'm listening to your program today. It's Monday, May 2nd, and my I am so undecided about this Senate race. I started out with Josh Mandel, um, seen J.D. Vance three times now in person, and had a gentleman today knock on my door about Mike Gibbons, and hearing him on your radio today, I want to look more into him before I make my final decision. So hopefully we'll have a good candidate come out of this. Georgian in Stowe left that message yesterday. I want to address it today on Tuesday, the 3rd of May, the uh, actual primary day. Welcome. Hour number three is underway. Phone lines are wide open to you at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. On this race for the Senate, on the governor's race, on uh, House races, uh, various ones around the area as well. So I really want to welcome you. Candidates have an opportunity as well to call and get 60 uninterrupted minutes to, or excuse me, seconds, 60 uninterrupted seconds to make their last-minute pitch to voters who are heading out to vote on primary day today. So uh, by all means, I want to hear from them. I want to hear from you. As far as that center race, welcome to the, to the, to the mix, George Ann. You and a whole lot of other people are just undecided what to do. The number as, as recently as a week ago was 33% undecided. These are likely GOP primary voters undecided on what they're going to do on the Senate, in the Senate race. Today, I heard that number at 25%, still extraordinary, extraordinarily high. Nobody has that kind of support. J.D. Vance doesn't have over 30%. Uh, Josh Mandel, Mike Gibbons, Matt Dolan, they don't have over 30%, but Undecided does. Uh, so the decisions are going to be made as people get there and just kind of, I don't know if they're going to cover their eyes and poke at the screen and touch whatever they touch. 
<laughs> um, but it's a very difficult thing. J.D. Vance has had a lot of uh, ups and downs in this race. Josh Mandel has had a lot of ups and downs in this race. Mike Gibbons has had some ups and downs in this race as well. Matt Dolan has been a non-factor until just the last two, three, four days. Suddenly he is um, gaining all kinds of momentum. The left, the Democrat left, trying to tell Democrats to take Republican ballots at their primary uh, uh, polls today and go ahead and vote for Dolan and for Mike DeWine for governor. Because they are more like Democrats than anybody else. And if a Republican is going to win in this red state in November, they'd rather have it be a Democrat-style Republican. And that's the reality of the situation. This is what a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of feel like. That the conservatives are, are you know, in a real fight to try to get any representation at all when it's either going to be Democrats or it's going to be rhino Republicans. That is the belief that a lot of people have. So, Georgianne, I can't tell you I'm not endorsing in that Senate race. I have expressed my support for Jim Renacci in the gubernatorial race because there's no choice there at all. None. Jim Renacci is the polar opposite of Mike DeWine, and he is a candidate who can win and who does know how to run a government because the man knows how to run a campaign, something that the big hat doesn't know how to do either one of. He's a show, he's a, he's a snake oil salesman, and, um, and it's a shame that he has pulled so many good people in that is going to separate the anti-DeWine vote, or that are going to separate the anti-DeWine vote, and probably lead to uh, Mike DeWine waltzing right back into Columbus. So uh, it's a very difficult thing to do. I wish you the very best of luck in figuring it out on the Senate side. I will encourage you enthusiastically to support Jim Renacci. Do not listen to the big hat fans who tell you that Renacci is DeWine 2.0. They say that because Renacci doesn't have a big hat and a long beard. And apparently that's all it takes now to convince people to think you can run a multi-billion dollar state of 11.5 million people. You've got to have a big hat and, 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 and a big beard. And that means you're different than everybody else. Anybody who doesn't have that is just like DeWine. They're rhinos. It is a just a disgrace, just a disgrace that so many people have been hoodwinked. Good, true, constitutional conservatives who agree with 99% of things I agree with, but who are following around a guy in a hat and a beard because, well, he's different because he's got a hat and a beard. and he, He's a farmer, and you see, and, and instead of running a business, he's run a farm. And, and, and instead, of, instead of dealing with people, he's dealt with cattle. And that makes him fit to run a state. No. No, I don't play that way. I don't play that way, and I also don't play with cheaters. And somebody who says, well, I didn't know I had to hire a, an accountant to be able to handle all these donations. Well, if you didn't know you needed an accountant to run a campaign in which campaign finance laws are very clearly spelled out, who the hey is going to run the accounting for the state of Ohio if you're in the office hanging your big hat on a rack? Who's going to run the finances? Oh, no. I guess my wife, she'll do it, just like she did in the... In the campaign, I'm just I'm just done with this nonsense. Get Renacci into the governor's mansion. Bob in North Olmstead. Bob, you're on AM 1420. The answer, thanks for your patience. Go right ahead, sir. Hi. The young lady got my name wrong. It's BJ. Oh, Olmstead. sorry about that. BJ, go ahead. Um, I'd like to make a couple of quick points. First of all, this election is very important to see what the people of Ohio are thinking politically and how it's going to turn out. If it turns out not to be a... Republican state, then uh, you can kiss the state goodbye. Uh, on the uh, issues with the Supreme Court, yeah. Roe v. Wade is not just part of the issue. The real issue is if we're willing to kill our babies, 
coming out of the womb. We're willing to kill the senior citizens who are living too long in these senior centers, and there's droves of them. I have a lot of experience with that lately. So euthanizing life is a major issue in this country, and any country that decides that euthanizing life before it's born or before it dies is in serious trouble. And for those people who claim to be religious, particularly Christians, shame. That's all I can say is shame. You're not a believer in Christianity. You're not a believer in life. That's part of it. The other part is this. The bringing down of America is the one thing the New World Order wants. Unless America is destroyed with its Constitution and Bill of Rights, there cannot be a New World Order. This is the only country, well, not the only, but the strongest of those countries that are want to, want to be free that are standing in the way. So this year, and I have mentioned this earlier on in your show, in the year, rather, we are in a turmoil as far as change, not only economically and religiously and politically, but spiritually. The spirit of mankind is in serious trouble. What's happening in China with what they're doing to the people there, what's happening in Russia that these mothers don't know their boys are being killed, What's happening in the Ukraine, destroying a beautiful country and killing people for whatever reason to have control of land and docks. So spiritually, we are in a very, very low time. And I hope that the people do wake up. I have to tell you this. I primarily voted for women. And the reason I did that is maybe men can't handle the world anymore. Maybe it's time to find out if women can despite the Nancy Pelosi's and the vice president. But I thank you for your time, and I hope America does wake up. I love this country. I love the people in this country. And God willing, we all will wake up. We have to participate. And thank you for taking the time to listen. You got it, BJ. Thank you for your phone call and your well-thought-out arguments and points. Um, we do. And, and again, uh, that last part is crucial. We have to go out there and be a part of this thing. Do not just sit there and say, I'll wait and see what happens today. Then I'll vote for uh, the winner in November. If, if you do that, we're lost. We're lost. Because because you have no earthly idea, you're not you're not participating in the choosing of the right person to even be on the ballot in November. Uh, and as far as the uh, Roe versus Wade and everything he just said, I completely concur. I do not understand. I don't know if I ever will. How people who, especially in today, when we know so much more than we knew twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago, fifty years ago, sixty years ago, uh, especially fifty when he, when Roe v. Wade was uh, uh, was uh, settled by the Supreme Court, if you will. Uh, we know so much more now. Anybody who calls himself pro-life and calls themselves pro-God, pro-Christ, uh, can still be pro-baby murder is beyond my, beyond my scope, the scope of my comprehension. BJ, I thank you. Uh, let's go to Middleburg Heights. Dan, thanks for waiting. Dan, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. I'd like to make a comment on the, the Supreme Court. Please. Uh, I heard all the arguments about, you know, who's leaking, you know, through Dershowitz and those people. Mm-hmm. And it came to my mind. The, uh, the the far left is so cor- everything is so corrupt in our country right now. I wouldn't put anything past anybody, but remember we've been scratching our head for the last several years on Roberts, always flipping on key cases with the liberals. What if one of his clerks that have been corrupting him all this time on these other cases, and so our Supreme Court may have been corrupted all along. 
it's just another idea. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's certainly not impossible. I wouldn't rule it out. I, I think it's probably more likely because Roberts has been, you know, very pro-life. Uh, does that mean that his clerks are? Not necessarily. I don't think they do, you know, litmus tests, if you will, when they choose clerks for, for their offices. Well, we don't know who these do. people are, you know. No, we don't. We don't. But my, my point is, I think it's far more likely that it was a clerk for somebody who was absolutely against the overturning of Roe, one of the one of the leftist justices. Probably. Because that individual is going to share that same mindset, knowing we have to blow this whole thing up in the next six months before uh, before the Republicans retake power. But see, the, the decisions Roberts yeah. made, like, you know, Obamacare and that, we know, we all know, these are very intelligent people, and it's just bad policy and bad decisions. Something else happened with Roberts to make that kind of a move. And so that's why I've got the idea that we don't know how liberal his clerks are, but at this case, this is over the top now because of Roe Ro versus Wade. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I do. Where I someone do. would risk their career to do this. Yeah, and I and you're right. I can't rule it out. You you know, it's entirely possible. And whomever yeah. and th- and thank you, my friend, for the call. I appreciate it, Dan. Uh, whomever is responsible for this, as Professor Turley said, is 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 done. This may not be just career suicide. This may be freedom suicide. Meaning, uh, this person might end up putting themselves in jail. A leak of this magnitude from something as precious and private as the 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 chambers of of Supreme Court justices. To take this, and, you know, I've heard a number of analysts say this wouldn't be something that they would make easy to trace by emailing this to Politico, because then it could be found in two seconds. This would have had to have been hard copy theft, copying, and then delivering hand-to-hand to the Politico reporters. That's extraordinary. And that individual, knowing full well what they were doing, could end up finding themselves not just fired, not just disbarred, but possibly even prosecuted. For me, I think it almost is assuredly going to be one of the clerks for one of the far-left justices who want abortion rights for all, pretty much at all times, with no exceptions. That's my thought. TJ's in uh, Cleveland. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob. You know, I have one question for Peter. You know, to my knowledge, uh, federal tax money is used for abortions. Now, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, does that mean Planned Parenthood's government trough is going to dry up? Is that the end of federal tax money being used for abortions? I, I, I wanted to ask him that, what his thoughts on that were. Um, that's a good question, and I'll try to relay that to him. I, I would, th- I, You know, I, I don't think that's the case because... Their argument is the federal government doesn't give funds to Planned Parenthood to conduct abortions, that federal funds are used, and this is what they always say Planned Parenthood does when they defend themselves, that federal funds are used for other women's health services, that the abortions are not paid for by tax dollars. That's what they would say. So if... If Roe v. Wade is overturned and it's no longer a federal right, if you will, uh, and it's returned to the states to make their own decisions, they would still say, Planned Parenthood would still say, hey, you still got to keep sending us money. We just, you know, we don't use it for abortions anyway. Now we know that's a lie, but that's what they would say. Yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe you just answered that question. I think you're probably right. All right, my friend. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the call. Let's go to, uh, North Ridgeville. Sam, you are on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. How you doing, Bob? Doing well, Sam. What's on your mind? I, 
Uh, I heard you talk about Renacy quite a bit, and you pretty, you're pretty big on him, but I haven't uh, been able to hear you say anything about the uh, Senate, like Josh Mandel and them, who you think the best pick would be for the, you know, the conservative end of things. Uh, did I just miss it, or did you not voice an opinion? Like well, what no, you do I, I have, uh, yeah, I, I made a decision very early on that I was not going to give an endorsement of, of anybody in this race, because I knew there were a lot of good oh. candidates, and I didn't want to give an endorsement. Um, I do have my my. my personal favorite that I'm going to vote for at about 1 o'clock this afternoon after my show ends, uh, but I'm not going to announce that on the radio to influence other people. Um, but but what I have done, I think, Sam, and I've, I've tried to be responsible in doing, is pointing out the, the goods and the bads of all of them. And I think if you listen closely enough and long enough, um, you might be able to get an idea of which way I lean. Um, I've got some real things that I've always liked about Josh Mandel, but he knows, and I've made it very clear on the radio, there are some things that I felt were disqualifying for him that he did during this campaign. I have some things that I'm very impressed by about J.D. Vance, but there are some things not just about what he said about President Trump, but things that he said about Trump voters and supporters, and the fact that he considered holding his nose and voting for Hillary Clinton, which would be extending the Barack Obama presidency for another four or eight years that I cannot look past. So there's a problem I have with that. Do the goods outweigh the bads, or the bads outweigh the goods for either one of those guys? Same thing with Mike Gibbons. I have had a lot of very positive things to say about Mike Gibbons. I think he is a tremendous story. He checks all the boxes. But he's had a few things where uh, you know people have suggested, and I concur, that he doesn't articulate his points very well. Can that get through a general election in a debate against a Tim Ryan, uh, in a campaign against Tim Ryan? I don't know. Uh, he's made some statements, uh, you know, about uh, taxes and women that have been controversial. I think he's explained them pretty well, but others have said to me, no, he really hasn't. And I asked him yesterday to kind of cover those things. So I've got some question marks with him, too. Matt Dolan, I think, is too, too rhino to be the, to, to sit in the seat. I'm glad Rob Portman is leaving because I want somebody who is a conservative and not a rhino. Why replace a rhino with another rhino? And Jane Kim, Timken has been a non-starter for me ever since her time as the chair of the ORP. So it's down to three guys for me. They all have warts, and they all have things to like about them. Uh, so I think that's the you know that that's that's why there's 33 percent or 30 percent or whatever the number is of undecided voters in this primary, my friend, because a lot of people are doing the same thing. Which positives are stronger than the negatives in which of those guys? And that's how you're going to make your call. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you, Bob. I'm going to yeah. vote today. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. I'm glad you are. And by the way, you know, here, here's super quick. Um, this is one of those things that I, I think leads to the lower turnout in the primaries. And I'll take some blame for it here, kind of. Because what I just said, I made it very hard, perhaps, unless you're already died in the wolf for one of these guys. If you are still undecided, I just laid out all kinds of good and bad things about these guys, and it makes it very hard to make a choice. And when people don't know which choice to make, what do they often do? They punt, Right. I can't decide. I don't know. I kind of like Mandel, but I didn't like that. I kind of like Vance, but I don't like that. I kind of like Gibbons, but I don't like that. I don't know. I'm staying home. Whatever everybody decides is fine. I'll vote for whoever in the in the general in November. That's a problem. Do the homework. Look into your heart. Do a gut check. Find out whose values are most represented by you. And moreover, not just in campaign ads, but who you can trust. To be what you want to, uh, you know, to to represent you in the United States Senate the way you want to be represented. Who do you trust to speak for you? 
And once you answer that question, I think you'll have an answer on who to vote for. I know who I'm voting for. I know the answer to that question for me. And I hope you pick it and make that decision and go vote today. Don't punt. Take a stand and make a vote. We'll be back after this. A couple of emails sent to me on my Always Right uh, page indicating some voting issues this morning. Bob, let me tell you about my voting experience this morning. Polls open 6.30. I got there 6.50. Sparse crowd. They have two computer systems, one for checking in and the other to tabulate ballots. The check-in computer system was down. Had to manually check in. I sign in, sign my name, show my ID, get my ballot, vote on a paper ballot. You have to then take your ballot to enter into the tabulation computer. We have two pieces of paper to scan them into the machine. The guy in front of me scanned his first ballot, and then the tabulation computer went down. Waited for five minutes. It came back up. I scanned my two ballots, ready to leave. Then a voting official announced that all the scanned ballots are being disallowed. I had to vote provisional again. The poll workers were clueless. I was getting ticked. More people came in to vote than more people came in to vote. They could not vote. I had I left, had to go to work. People were getting angry. I think we may have been sabotaged. That message just came in. I don't know the polling location there. And it follows this one that I got earlier this morning. When I got to the polling place this morning, one of the workers was turning people away because she said the scanners, handheld, not the big ones, were broken. I had heard the same thing that's happening on the west side for multiple people in Lakewood and Cleveland. So I left, and I called Lisa Woods to tell her what was going on. Uh, She told me to turn around and get back there so she could talk to the worker, who then lied about it to her. By the time they had figured out the problem in that they could not scan their ballots with their tablets, uh, that they had to enter each ballot number manually before handing it to the voter. How can this continue to be a problem on primary day in the state of Ohio. And I got to tell you this. Maybe it's something you think about when you do try to go and vote today, if you can, and you think about the Secretary of State. That's who runs the elections. How can this stuff be happening? I don't know. But you might want to think about that when you go. And give yourself some extra time, because it sounds like there may be problems in some other places. If you haven't yet voted, dial me up. Tell me what you're going to do. Tell me how you're going to vote if you wish. And we'll talk about it together. Last segment coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 11.37, let's get a few more phone calls in here. It's primary day Tuesday. Make sure you do your duty as a citizen today. Even if you're going to vote for somebody that I don't necessarily like, do your job, and let's make sure that we have the right people to represent us going into the general election in November against the Demon Rats. Navy man Norman Strongsville. Hi, Norm, go ahead, sir. Uh, hats off and kudos to you, Bob, for keeping whom you're voting to yourself because you don't want to influence anybody else's decisions to vote. And I think that's wonderful. And I think that's a kind of a knock on uh, President Trump because I think he should have waited till after the primary instead of coming out from Mr. Vance. Whether Mr. Vance wins, uh, it's going to be a reflection on, uh, his uh, comment 
Trump's. J.T. Mandel, is that his name, J.T. Mandel? (laughs) Josh Mandel is my choice and my wife's choice and a good number of our friends' choices. And for the reasons, very simple, like he stated, the three primary reasons are his children, God, country, and family. And for these people that are undecided now, I can't... I'm sorry, I cannot fathom how you can possibly be undecided at this moment or even the night before after all of the information that's been disseminated on your show, for one, okay, as well as from the various candidates. I, I just don't understand this, and I, I kind of, not kind of, I do agree with Tom Slavikowski. You know, we have too many people that just don't take the time to say, uh, of being a good American, and really look at the issues. Am I really pro-life? Am I really for the military? Am I really for veterans' benefits? And where do I stand on the judicial appointees made by the president and previous president? But for people to come out at the, 20, at the 23rd uh, hour and say, gee, I'm still undecided, I- I'm sorry, I just can't fathom it. And for those people well, that voted for, for the hat, shame on you. Shame on you. That's well, Norm, I'll tell cents. you what, I, and I appreciate you two cents. Thank you, my friend. God bless. I uh, appreciate your call. Um, I, I, won't, I won't cast shame on people who are still undecided right now, and the only reason why is I'm going to assume the reason they're undecided is because I'm going to think of glass half full here. They've done the homework. They've done the research. And they know what each candidate has said, but then it's a matter of, is it something I can believe from that candidate based on a variety of things? As I've said, I've pointed out highs and lows, goods and bads that I've found with each of these candidates. And maybe other people are doing the same thing and saying, so which one do I go for, considering I know they all have warts that I don't like and they all have things that about them that I really do like, and I'm just having a hard time. I, I, I prefer to think that undecideds now are undecided because they've done too much homework rather than they haven't paid attention and they're just like, I don't know, and whatever, and I'll just pick somebody. So there's two types of undecideds, the ones who are really informed and who are just like, man, I really like a lot about Josh Mandel, but I can't get past that. Man, there are really things I like about Mike Gibbons. Or, man, you know, I don't like a whole lot of things about J.D. Vance, but there is this. Maybe, you know, these are people who are doing the best work uh, who are undecided. The ones who are too lazy to do the work, I concur with you about, my friend. Uh, let's go to Strongsville next. And Jim is on AM 1420, The Answer. Jim, go right ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. I want to call about the Senate race. Um, I hate to disagree a little bit with uh, Navy man Norm, but um, I, I, I just take the names out. One, one, one guy, the runner for the Senate, said that he would vote for Hillary Clinton. Another guy lied and then said it was a difference of opinion when he was videoed and he proven that he lied. Another guy wants to lower taxes and control spending. I, I, to me, it, I, I agree with him. I can't believe you're undecided. Okay. Uh, did, so, do you want to? Did you want to reveal your choice there, or? or well, no. I mean, of... it's, it's Gibbons. I mean, it's given. I mean, it's, oh, okay. Mandel lied. He blatantly lied, and then and told you as well. We can have a difference of opinion. JD Vance just a couple of years ago, said he would vote for Hillary Clinton. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I, I knew what you meant by what you said, but I wasn't going to say it for yeah. you. Uh, I wanted you to say it. So you're forgivance. Well, um, no, but and you, you, if you take the names out of it, which 
ask everyone who they vote for, they would vote for oh, the third guy. Oh, oh, Jim, you know what? I apologize. I butchered your entire thing then because you did say that at the beginning of your call. Remove the names yeah. and just say this, this, Remove this. Remove the names. Okay. Sorry, I messed you up there, but you, I think you, I okay. think your point is a fair one and a good one, and it's a very clear one. Uh, and 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 I think there are a lot of a lot of people who are gonna who are gonna make that decision for that reason. Uh, and I thank you, Jim, for your call. And I'm sorry I messed up your your uh, your presentation there. I get it. He's saying if one guy lied about something that was clearly on videotape and then said, well, we can have a different opinion. And if another guy said, I could vote for Hillary Clinton, and if another guy just said, I want to lower your taxes and, and control spending, well, then you'd probably pick the guy that can, wants to control taxes and, or control spending and lower taxes uh, rather than the guys who did those other things. I get it. I get it now. I, I just didn't put two and two together with the way he was going there. Jim, thank you. Appreciate your opinion. Uh, Roz is in Cleveland next. Hi, Roz. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. We constantly hear all we get is the best of two evils. That's because you allowed the real voter suppression to overcome you, and it's called the recliner. Get off your butts and get to the polls. We pay for the honor to vote through our taxes. 20% turnout is expected. Well, listen, you want to throw away money? Let me give you my name, and you can give to my nonprofit, okay? But get off your butts and get out there. I'll tell you what, I think that's an order. Thank you, Roz. I appreciate it. She is delivering the order, dropping the hammer down on you right now. Get out off your butt. It's kind of like you tell your kids, get off of the video game, put down the remote control, put down your phone, go outside and play. I don't know if parents tell their kids that enough anymore. They used to, back when I was a kid. But she's right. Put down the remote control, put down the phone, and get up and go to your poll polling location. Cast your vote. Stop pretending you don't have a say in this when you absolutely do. Tomorrow, we'll be here, of course, to analyze everything, all of the results, and give you the latest on the Supreme Court leak situation. So for now, please get out there and do your duty. God bless America. God bless the state of Ohio. Let's, let's do it right. And let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.